Star Stuff. Before I tell you the story of the boy who wouldn't grow up, I must make a few things clear. My name is Tuesday. I wasn't christened that, but chose it the day I started to wander. I'm a lady of the street. Not a hussy. Nobody would pay for me unless their taste verged on necrophilia. I live on the street. I wear layers of sticky clothing all year round, but strictly no knickers. When I want to take my ablutions, I lift my skirts, then drop my trousers and pee-pee straight into the gutter. It scares the men after death when they see an old bird peeing standing up. They thought that was one of the few areas they still had jurisdiction over. Sometimes I pretend to be a gypsy and I spit out curses. I don't like to disappoint and everybody loves a cliché. In the olden days, I would have got my own tent decorated in children's bones in the honour of my people. These days I get a cup of watery soup from the Salvation Army and a hosing down when my complicated bundles deface the window displays of Selfridges. These are the times we live in. Most people are glad they're not me, but I'm happy mostly. I maintain the rude and ancient tradition of mad women, although I'd like to see anyone trying to keep me in a fucking attic. Pardon my Anglo-Saxon. It's rare that you'll hear me swear, but I can see you're broad-minded by your choice in footwear. I'm not crazy, but I will concede that I am different. I have voices in my head. I see messages in the flocks of starlings that pass over me. I'm gripped by visions. I can see death following people if their days are numbered. I am possessed by the recently dead. I've seen the signs of the end of the world in the London light. There are mice with ears growing on their backs and droughts of biblical proportions. Celebrities jet around the world to highlight the environmental crisis and to steal babies. The pockets of bankers are like black holes into which money and hope disappear forever. Everybody's scared to be old, but nearly everybody is old. There's always a war going on. I thought I'd seen it all. I was idly wondering what to have for lunch when I saw a blue light. Having nothing better to do, I walked towards it. What I saw in my brief and endless stay in the light was the truth about Michael Jackson. On the day of Michael Jackson's birth, there was an extremely rare meteor shower, and as Michael drew breath in readiness for his first scream, he breathed in star stuff a little-known substance that renders its recipient with extraordinary talent and beauty. When he was baptised, his godmother saw the glow behind his eyes and knew that there was trouble in store. A jealous cousin, seeing that this baby was already so beautiful that people wanted to lick him like a lollipop, vindictively pricked his arm with a pin, which had two effects. One... The baby Michael developed a perverse taste for needles that would plague his adult life and two, made him let out a scream that was perfect in pitch. Baby Michael sang his first song right there and then at his own christening. When he sung, the birds stopped their chorus to listen. When he sung, the wind held its breath, the sun blushed, cats allowed themselves to be herded, angels peeked over the clouds to look down upon America, hope rekindled in the barrenest of hearts, tears streamed down cheeks, hearts swelled with love, spines tingled, skin glowed, eyes shone in the dark. 
when Michael sang, his father heard the chime of tills. Michael lived in a house with 30 brothers and sisters. Their father was cruel because he was hungry. He twitched his belt and shouted, Sing for your supper, dance for your dinner. And the kids did. Kids can learn anything so long as you catch them early enough. They entertained the neighbourhood congregation and kept the wolf from the door. They were adorable and they were talented. Star Stuff works the same now as it always has. In the times that Michael lived, it cursed and blessed him with fame from an early age. At 12, Michael was visited by the guardian of Star Stuff, who has had many names through the ages, but who he called Peter Pan. Peter flew in through the window and left puberty knocking at the pane. He took Michael to the moon and taught him to walk on it. He showed him the stars and together they swung from them. He razzle-dazzled him. Michael Jackson fell head over heels in love for the first and last time. Peter told Michael to build a land for himself where he would never grow old and where Peter could visit. If you do that, I'll come and see you every spring he told Michael. Clad yourself in skeleton leaves and the juices that flow from trees. Michael had no clue how to do that, but he made the best of it with future stage costumes. Peter gave him a white bird that night, which Michael skinned to make into gloves, but found it was only enough for one. He wore it until it disintegrated and then replicated it in gold, diamonds, leather so that he could imagine Peter with him all the time. He asked for the brightest spotlight in his stage shows so he could feel the light on him like the night he flew with Peter in the sky. He'd grown so thin that he cast no shadow. Peter Pan told Michael that his own dad had been mean to him too. I took his surname but nothing else. And Peter warned Michael never to grow up or I shan't forgive you. I shall come and kill you whilst you sleep. For the longest time, Peter visited Michael every May Day and they played in the garden with their friends. Years pass. Star Stuff is stronger than all drugs. Stronger than MDMA, than heroin, than freebase, than crack cocaine, than ketamine. And Michael never got a second dose. Michael's taste for needles never waned and he never satisfied his craving for more of the Star Stuff with the prescription drugs administered by his physician. Outside the gates of Neverland, he heard the taunts of the Lost Boys. Michael Jackson, pudding and pie, kissed the boys and made them cry. He'd only wanted to play. Poor Michael. Despite all his money and the biggest oxygen tent in the world, the O2, he'd not managed to hold back time. He looked old. He was old. Peter hadn't visited for ten years. The children stayed away. Neverland became neglected, haunted. The funfair rides grew rusty. Thin as famine, white as paper, bald as an egg, punctured, twisted, stretched and so sad, so heartbroken, Michael lay on his single bed. I need something to take away the pain, he said. His voice was still that of a child, the same voice he had when he first spoken with Peter. I don't want to sleep. If I fall asleep, he'll come for me. 
The doctor gave him a sleeping draught. He needed it. Tomorrow he had to sing for his supper again. The cupboard was bare. This will make you feel better, Michael. Don't worry. Sweet dreams. He left the window open. He could never remember why. And in flew Peter, his tail tucked into his shorts. Come along, Michael. It'll be an awfully big adventure, said Peter. I see Michael Jackson holding hands with Peter Pan. They fly all over America and Peter collects all the lost children en route. They fly out of high-rise buildings into the inky sky where Michael shreds his ears and feasts on shooting stars. I see them walking on the moon. Then the light shrinks to nothing and I'm back on Earth. In the London light is a picture of the full moon on All Saints Day. And I wonder if I am the only one who notices that the face of the moon is the face of Michael Jackson. I would tell my story to the papers, but I don't want to attract fame. I've seen what happens.